You can be seated in the house. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand one more time. We're going to get into the word. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Um, so we're going to go to Mark. Go to Mark 15, uh, chapter 2, and we're going to get into verse 1 through 4. I'm not going to be real long here. And if you know me, I'm different. I don't, uh, how many know Pastor Gail's different? Just period. Um, I'm not a holiday preacher. Matter of fact, I can't stand having to speak on one particular topic because it's that time of year. I think we should be led of the Spirit in all things. And, um, but I do want to bring out some things tonight that I are, that I really truly believe are going to be beneficial to where a lot of people's at. And, um, so I'm going to do my best tonight to teach and to maybe give you some understanding as to what it is that on Thursday. If you look at the Hebrew calendar, it's completely different than the way that we see in our Roman Greco understanding. And so it's it's uh, it wouldn't even make sense to be three days <laughs> if it was Friday. And so uh, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's not a scripture that says you got to get that right. Um, what's important is that he was obedient to the cross and fulfilled what he was supposed to do. Someone asked me a couple weeks ago as we was kind of gearing up towards this. This whole month has been a holy season. In the Muslim community, there's all kinds of rituals that they're doing. In the Christian community, there's rituals. There's all kinds of things that's happening worldwide as it relates to this month and how things are developing for whatever religion they're a part of. A guy asked me, he said, man, can you really trust that a guy got up out of the grave? And I said, well, can you trust that Caesar Augustus lived? He said, yeah, it's documented. I said, it's, it is documented, but it's way more documented about Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't understand the apologetics. One of the things that I try to teach is apologetics because it's not enough for this generation to say the Bible says. Why? Because they're refuting the Bible. And so it's not enough to just simply say, this is what the scripture says. That may have sufficed in the last generation. This generation is an information age. And it is imperative that we do our research as it relates to what we believe. And we know that scripture is the word of the Lord. However, it's not um, going to serve the purposes in proving your case if you're only going to scripture. It's absolutely okay to go to history. And uh, there's all kinds of Roman historians that was not Christians, like Josephus. Um, so many that I could get on that are not Christians. They have no dog in the fight, as they say. And they're still telling you. There's something about, I love the, 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 letter, the letters of antiquities with Josephus. First century, first century Jew, but he was not a Christian. Certainly didn't believe in Christ as the deity, but he says in his letters of antiquity, he says, concerning the one they call Christos, Christ, where we get that, concerning the one they call Christos, he says, the man, if I can call him a man, the things he's doing, men can't do. (laughs) There's something different about this guy. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was the son of God. He was deity wrapped in humanity. He changed the world with three years of demonstrating the gospel. He wasn't a preacher as we would get used to a preacher. He was what I would call a liver. In other words, everything he preached, he lived. Something about his life was contagious to the point to where he could walk up to somebody he didn't know and say, follow me, and they would drop everything and follow him. 
There's, and the thing I love about Christ, he never went up to the most credentialed person in the church and said, oh, you look like the guy that's going to do some damage. He went up to complete sinners and said, I see something different in your future. Follow me. He didn't say, I need you to repent and get it all right. He said, just follow me. What's on me is going to get on you. Just come on. See, part of what sanctifies us is the journey. And, and, and what we're doing in the church, we're trying to clean everybody up before they're u- being used by God. Man, I'm telling you, God can use you in any state. I'm telling you, this is how beautiful the love of God is. It's not to say that you're supposed to be living any type of way, but you will be amazed at some of the times when you wake up feeling like you just ain't got nothing going good. And that's the day God uses you more mightily than he's ever used you when you was praying all day and fasting all week. Because he's God. Amen. And so we are, we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ Jesus. We're celebrating the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So we're going to do some reading tonight. But I do this because I know this is the only reading some of y'all get all week. So we're going to get it all in. Uh, so we're going to go to Mark. I want to swing over there. Y'all ready for the word? Amen. Y'all ready? All right, Mark 15, we're going to go to 2, and uh, we're going to do 1 through 4. Someone say this, don't die in the middle. Don't die in the middle. Let's, let's, let's read. Good. Verse 2. Yes, sir. Yep, Mark 15. <clears throat> 21, start at 21. We should have it up here. Do we not have it up here? All right. And they said, and they compelled a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Then they brought him to the place, Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. All right. Everybody say Golgotha. So let me do a little research here. You, y'all know I do my best to teach because how many are glad to go to a church that you actually understand the scripture? <laughs> right? I'm not just, he will and he will. Like it's, it's good to do that. But if you ain't saying nothing, you ain't saying nothing. <laughs> it makes me wonder if they order Wendy's like that. Like, if the anointing make you sound like that, I don't want it. <laughs> I'm just playing. Listen, so Golgotha is short for Galgoliath. It's where we get the term Galgoliath. Someone said, well, what is Golgotha? Well, that's the reason why the scripture says the definition is the place of skull. Whose skull? Goliath's skull. Well, who killed Goliath? David. What was David? A type of Christ. Come on, somebody. Where did he bury the skull? There at Golgotha. Why did he bury it there and why did Jesus die on a cross on Golgotha hovering over the top of a skull that opposed the true Israel? Because the prophecy said after the fall that the seed would bruise the head of the serpent. It had to be done. This is why it, it, it takes more faith to not believe in Jesus. <laughs> this stuff has been lining up. Someone said, well, this, the Bible is just a book. No, it ain't. It's a library. It's 66 books of people who never met each other, who never talked to each other, who was experiencing God through the Holy Spirit and coming to the same conclusion, whether it was through a type and shadow or it was through the substance in the New Testament. 
it's, it just don't work that way for them to never meet each other and they're still seeing the same thing from the same spirit of truth. Amen, somebody. And so we, we got this, we got to get this thing to where we see that all scriptures lining up. Jesus being resurrected isn't just because he didn't want to die and stay dead. He resurrected because he was a pattern to what we as the body of Christ need to be walking in. Resurrection power isn't just you staying alive. Resurrection power is you staying connected to the source of all things. There's something different when people experience the the, the resurrection power of God. It's not just about physical healing. When you experience God, genuine God, I don't know if you've ever been in such a slump to where maybe you woke up one day and anybody go through depression. You've really, listen, there is a spirit of depression. There's, there's sad and then there's a spirit of depression to where nobody can encourage you. When David said, I encouraged myself, you're going to go through seasons to where nobody can penetrate you but you. And you're going to have to speak to you in your condition to be able to get you out of the stuff that you're in. God's greatest deliverance you will ever see will come in the tone of your own voice. Because God's ultimately trying to get you to build a relationship with you through his eyes. (laughs) Daddy's trying to get you to see him, see you the way he sees you. We cannot keep thinking thoughts about ourselves. God ain't thinking. Whew. And so one of the things that we got to understand is that Jesus, everything about his life was how many times you read to fulfill scripture in the law of the prophets has had to happen. All right. So let's get in here because this is when you look at Golgotha and you see all this stuff to play skull, there's a backstory to it. And it's so amazing when looking at scripture in every little detail and every little step Jesus took. It is impossible to not believe this man is God. He is not somebody normal. Buddha taught stuff that was peace and nonviolent, but he never demonstrated it. There's other peace teachers, but nobody condemned violence by submitting to it. There's something different about Jesus. And so let's read, let's watch. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves. Casting I love the fact that he didn't drink the... Man, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to get into all this. There's too many details. The, the wine and the myrrh was a numbing agent. It's imperative that when you go through the things that God is causing you to go through that you feel it. Because if you go through it numb, you're going to miss the lesson that God... Don't waste a good trial. That's how you grow. We don't remember things without pain. Pain isn't evil. God created it. Pain isn't the enemy. Pain often helps you discern. You wouldn't know what's wrong with you had pain not been telling you. Amen. Let's read. Casting lots for them to to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. 
They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. And the scriptures was fulfilled with says, and he was numbered with transgressors. Okay, let's go to Mark 16, 1, just real quick. Keep that in the back of your mind. Mark 16, we're going to read right there in verse 1. Let's read. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. So the Sabbath is when? Anybody know? Come on. Friday night, Saturday, going in there, right? And so technically we're not in the Sabbath at the moment right now. But technically the Sabbath is no longer a day. It's a person. People's getting caught up in the day. And it's a person. Jesus said he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Amen, somebody? And plus, there's, there's, there's only seven days that was created. Come on now. Adam was created on the sixth day. Sixth is the number of man. The seventh day is the Hebrew number, numerology for completion. Amen. There's no eighth day. Which means the Sabbath is perpetual. <laughs> this is what people's missing. They always are. They're arguing doctrinally over stupid stuff, y'all. It's it the Sabbath. It was a type and shadow to get us to understand that Sabbath meaning rest is when we finally come under grace and we no longer strive to be righteous in our efforts, but instead by faith we are justified through His work. It was always pointing to the reality that we would have in Christ. Amen. You can't do enough things to get holy. You can only be holy. And that's through faith. This okay? So so watch here. Let's let's continue to read. I promise I won't interrupt you for another two words. Amen. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Now, I, I need you to pay attention here because this world is about to get really good. Don't die in the middle. Watch this. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. (laughs) They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. So I need you to get something here, because this is what's amazing to me. So we're getting from the crucifixion of Christ to where he just went through this gruesome Roman procedure that is designed to, to basically... Take your breath away. It's excruciating pain. And and the way the cross worked is they would nail the victim to the cross. And in order for the victim to take a breath, because they would eventually die of suffocation, 
to take a breath, they would have to pull their body weight up. And then they would come back down. And this is how they would die. But pulling it up, the nails, and it was not in his hands, the nails was here. The reason being is because it was prophesied the lamb could not have any blemishes. It was why Christ never broke a bone. And so, so the nails had to go here. Y'all follow me? And so he would pull them up. You know, the other thing that I love about the healer, Jabin, is he never healed his scars. The way they would recognize him would be from the one thing he chose to not heal. Because your scars are a reminder of your victories. They don't make you ugly. They make you more than a conqueror. Come on, somebody. Just the chance to thank God for some scars. Yeah. Not, you may not feel pretty with them all the time, but you are tested. And I'll go to war with people who are tested over people that are pretty. People that are pretty will talk about you. They'll betray you. They'll leave you when times get tough. People that are tested... Come on now, get you get, get next to somebody with some scars. They've been through something. And so it's, it's, it's one of these things to where, so Jesus, and this, I was reading this and I was like, man, so you get to the cross, just crazy death. They've been walking with him for three years. He's been teaching them all throughout the Gospels. I was going to pull up one or two scriptures or three, but there's so many scriptures where Jesus is constantly saying, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Now, if you're a worship leader, quit using that as a worship leader to get people to sing louder. Just say sing louder. That's not what that means in context. He's saying, if I be lifted up, he's saying, if I go to the cross, yeah. I'll draw all men. The word men there is italicized. It's not in the Greek. He's literally saying, I'll draw all to me. If you go back up the previous verse, the context is judgment. He said, the world has to be judged because of sin. Thou, ever, if I be lifted up, if I go to the cross, I'll take it. I'll draw all to me. God's not judging you. He already judged Jesus for you. Amen. That's what the cross was about. It's about him taking our penalty. And it's there as a lamb, as a sacrificial lamb. Saying, I'll do this. I'll take it. Pour it out on me so that they, as I take their sins, they take my righteousness. That's what the, this is what love is. And this is why we as yet sinners. Christ died. He demonstrated his what? His love. And he died. This is how God fixes it. He could have snapped his finger and everything would have been all right, but we would have had no story to tell. Yeah. Yes, sir. The best love stories have stories. It's, it's one of these things to where, so he's at the cross, and then he gets to the resurrection, and it, I was reading it, again, go back up to verse 1, just watch this, I need you to see this common theme in this passage here. The Sabbath was over, the Sabbath is the middle, right? So you got Sunday, the resurrection day, and regardless if it was Friday or Thursday or Friday, I don't care what day, in the middle of that, from the death to the resurrection... Something's happening with his disciples. They're forgetting 
that he said, I'm going to resurrect. I mean, he said it all through the gospel. Because if they remembered it, why would they be going there to anoint his body? They would know he's not there. My point is, so many of us will hear the promises of God while we're in need. And we're confident about what God said. Because when you're in need, you ain't ever been more spiritual in your life. Yeah. Pastor Gail, I got to call you say, where you at? Oh, no, no, you in need. Yeah. Hey, you, you, got, you got an emergency. So, you know, ain't nothing else working. God's going to have to do something, right? People are spiritual when they're in need. They're praying more. They're fasting more. <laughs> they're easy to correct. I mean, you, you're just a good saint when you're in need. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> just loving I can keep going. I'm not going to be too goofy. We got, we got some visitors. I, I, I have to warm them up. <laughs> but somewhere between getting that thing and then in the middle and then over here where everything is fulfilled, something happens to a lot of people in the middle. So Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross Then I'm going to resurrect. But after he died, it seemed that all of his disciples lost all understanding of everything he taught. Everything he taught went out the window. And it blows my mind. So let's watch. I want you to pick up where you just left off here. And then I'm going to go over here to to John. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. Yeah. They went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. So the, watch this. So, so we got this thing. So I want you to go to Genesis 3 real quick. I'm not going to be too much longer. I just want to grab this. I told myself not to, to be too long tonight. Genesis 3. We're going to go to 4 through 7 here. Because there's something that took place in the middle. When Jesus dies on the cross, the Bible says, and this is a lot of scripture. So I'm just going to have to bring it all in so we don't have to, to go there on every one. Jesus goes to what Hebrews would call the bottom of the earth or the lower parts of the earth. Some would call it um, different things, but it's where the dead would go. And so the Bible says that he went there and he set the captives free. Okay, so after he goes to the cross, submits to the plan of God. He goes in and preaches the gospel to those who are dead. From there, now you got to get this because this is really important. From there, he liberates them. So he's working. Then, on the third day, he resurrects out of the tomb. Now, someone said, well, I don't know if I believe in the resurrection. Well, I, I got to tell you, man, I... <laughs> I think Rome really did believe in the resurrection. Why? Because they put a guard on, on the tomb. Yeah. Who in the world guards a dead guy? Right. Come on. 
There must have been something about this guy. And a Roman guard isn't two people. It's hundreds of people. And so this isn't just something to where you're thinking as in like the movies that we see to where there's two soldiers there and they're sitting there with spears. Like, no, no, no. There was a Roman guard there. And the scripture even says that the Pharisees went and they told Pilate, please help us in this because we don't want the disciples to come steal his body. They rolled a humongous stone. It was impossible for two people to push this stone. This is why there were so many people. And they put it there. And by the time that the women get to the grave, and this is what kills me when people say, I don't believe in women preachers. The first preacher of the resurrection was a woman. God didn't send a man. It was a woman that seen the resurrected Christ. And he said, go and tell him. There ain't no gender in the spirit. And so it's, it's one of these things to where... The guards is there protecting it because they do not want the, either the followers to steal his body or maybe this guy really was something because you got to remember Pilate's wife came to him and had a dream the day that they was they was uh, had him on trial and said have nothing to do with this man. This man is holy. He's innocent. And so Pilate washes his hands of it. Here's a, here's somebody who don't even have a God consciousness and recognizes what I'm dealing with here is above my pay grade. Come on, somebody. Uh, and, and, and he washes his hands of it. And so th- there was something major happening in all of this stuff here, man. And it, it, it's, it's, it's to the point to where not only, not only is the Roman guard protecting this possible resurrection or the stealing of a body, but it's to the point now to where Jesus, his influence had grown so much. I mean, this was without social media, internet, anything. This is just the guy had something on him that attracted people. I mean, people followed him. Think about having that many, 5,000 people follow to the point where he would have to, he would pull up on a shore and he would get in a boat and he'd have to speak here because they would crowd him so much. So he would, he would be in the water on a boat preaching and teaching to these people, right? Because he was so popular. It, it, it often tells me, you know, some will say, well, man, it seems like this generation just rejects God. No, they're not rejecting God. You're not rejecting God. You may think you are. But the Bible says that he's the desire of all nations. You're not rejecting God. You're rejecting the image of God the church sold you. Your problem is what was given to you. Because when you really meet God and his goodness and his love, you can't help but fall in love. Who wouldn't love a God that comes down and denounces deity, goes to the cross, demonstrates his love, dies for us? Who wouldn't love a God that finds a woman caught in the act of adultery and, 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 and says, listen, you without sin, we'll stone her if anybody else here is perfect. You go ahead and throw the first stone. I'm with you. As long as you are perfect. Who wouldn't love a God that steps to your defense when everybody's against you? People was attracted to him. His teachings were spiritual to the point to where the Pharisees would say, wow, he teaches with authority. This isn't just regular teaching. This isn't book smarts. He teaches with authority. In Luke 4, Jesus is handed, he's, he's a kid. And then he grows up in a temple teaching. 
And they hand him, the Pharisees hand him the book of Isaiah. And it says, in Isaiah it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and is known to me to preach the gospel of the poor, to deliver the captives, to set at free those who are blind. And it keeps going and going and going, right? And the Bible says that Jesus was reading it. And he says, To set at liberty those who are captive. And he closes the book. Now, what would be the problem with that? The problem is he didn't finish the passage. And they got mad. Why? Because in the, in, the profet, in, the, uh, in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, the rest of it said, and declare the vengeance of our God. Why did Jesus take that out? Because he was going to take the vengeance of our God. He's giving you grace with no punishment. <laughs> oh, man, don't mistake pruning for punishment. If God is, is, God is trying to tighten you up, it ain't him punishing you, it's him pruning you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he takes it out, and the religious spirit gets angry at him. They're mad. They're irritated. Why? Because religion wants you to pay. Jesus said, I took that. Who wouldn't love this guy? And here he is, has affected the world from the cross to the resurrection, and in the middle, on the Sabbath, they all forgot everything he taught them. Here's my point. Some of us have taken with boldness the steps that God has initially told you to take. You're trying. You're stepping it up. You're putting in the effort. And a lot of us have done it before. And the problem that we often face is once we get in the middle of it is where we start to feel like it's time to give up. And the crazy thing about quitting in the middle is that going back is the same distance as going to finish. It don't make no sense. Why? Why? Why not just finish? You're already in the middle. There's something about the middle that causes us to question everything. Causes us to question everything. Why? Because God don't give you details about the middle. God will give you a prophetic glimpse in what he wants you to be, but he'll never show you the middle. Why? For fear that you'll turn around. Because if God showed you what it requires to mature you, you would run. God showed you what it actually required to grow you up you would run from it so he has to keep giving you daily bread because it's the only way it's the only way you're going to get it if god would have showed joseph the betrayal potiphar's pit slavery all the things he went through joseph would have went back like i have a dream everybody bowed down to me you <laughs> keep that dream he would have never became what he was supposed to be had God showed him the details in the middle. The middle is everything. What you do in the middle is everything as it relates to your development in Christ. The beauty of growing in Christ is you grow in every other area. You become a better businessman when you're a better Christian. When you're walking in Christ, you become a better father. 
When you're walking in Christ, you become a better wife, a better husband, a better friend. Everything when we're walking with Christ. When you mature in God, what he's trying to do in your life makes you better in every other area. I want to encourage somebody in here. Don't go back. It's because I'm a pastor here and I know, you know, I try to know the people we pastor as much as we can. But I know you're, I know, I see growth. I could point a whole bunch of y'all right now that you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, growing. I see you taking efforts and steps and you're making the moves. I see some of you stepping up your commitments in other areas. I'm proud of you. But no. If you get weary here, that's why the Bible says don't get weary in well-doing, right? If you get weary here and go back, (laughs) you know what you're going to become if you go back. You've already seen that version of you. Why not give yourself an opportunity to meet the, the side of you that God's trying to show you? It's the same distance. Everybody say the middle. Look at Genesis here. Last scripture. The serpent said to the woman, you'll surely not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from the eye, eat from this, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Watch. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Woo. Y'all catch that? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. Go back up to uh, verse Two for me there, real quick, Pastor Oz. Um, no, yeah, right there. We're good. Yep. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat. Now watch. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in what? It's in the middle of the garden. The greatest deception that's ever happened to humanity happened from a conversation entertained in the middle. What you do in the middle matters. The thing that messed us all up was a conversation she entertained in the middle of a thing. You need to steward your middles. You're starting strong, but now you're out here. You're in it now. Steward it. Watch who you're talking to. Watch who you're hanging with. Watch these things. Listen to the Holy Spirit. When you're growing, it's not always about avoiding sin. Matter of fact, your greatest maturity in God is not going to come from you trying to be this moral figure that everybody looks up to (laughs) you don't grow by avoiding sin you grow by following the spirit when you follow the spirit the bible says you'll deny the lust of the flesh but you don't become spiritual by trying to deny the lust of the flesh you follow the spirit and you lose an appetite for that stuff but why don't we follow the spirit because every time we start opening ourselves up to god He starts touching stuff that we have buried for a reason. Why? Because we don't have answers to our pain. But you know what? Your pain is still developing you and controlling you. And it's got you right where it wants you to be. It's fine not being seen. It's fine being buried. Because, listen, any seed, any tree that you look up and say, my God, look at that tree. It started underground somewhere. Be careful what you bury. Why don't we want to walk in spirit? Because that initial step of trusting him when it don't make sense. 
Can I just say it like I, I mean, it sucks. I mean, that boy sucks. Because you, it don't make no sense. Because we only want to trust what we can understand. But it's not trust if you understand it. Amen. Everybody say the middle. I just wanted to come by here tonight and tell you. That's, that's exactly. These disciples lost all the teaching that was given to them for three years. The cross was so horrific to them. They forgot everything that he said. If they would have remembered what he taught, they would have been sitting there saying, hey, we'll see you in a couple days. But they missed it. Because what we do in the middle matters. So follow this thing through. Because I'm telling you, you're growing. There's a version of you that is going to blow your mind if you'll follow the plan of God. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. I hope this blessed somebody. Amen.